You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow, Slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia from the Community Radio Satellite, from the studios of Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. This program is the first program for 2001. It's streaming live on 3... 2021. Thank you, Kelly. Great producer. I'm 20 years behind the times. I was thinking of being 49 again. I thought that'd be a great way. Just who knows? Who knows whether it's 2021 or 20, 2001? Who knows? It's actually, well, once you've been broadcasting for 43 years, you kind of lose sense of time. Yes, I'd like to broadcast for 50 years, but um, that's up to the. Uh, various gods around the world, whether I'll survive or not, but that's a different matter. Now, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, <laughs> an anarchist society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures, which are based on equal decision-making power, possibly direct democracy, it's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Why that long definition? Very simple. The word anarchos means without rulers, how do you create a society without rulers? You break down the structures which give rulers the ability to exercise power over the lives of billions of people. And what are those structures? Inequalities in decision-making power and inequalities in wealth. So if you're involved in the struggle to devolve power and share wealth, doesn't matter what you call yourself, you've got the mark of Cain on your back, you're an anarchist. Sorry to tell you that. Okay, well, you should be very happy. Now, I think 2001, 2021, 2021, as I said, I want to go back. I want to go back. Retro time. That's the 70s. That's even better. Maybe it's 1971. I was only 20 then. All right, let's get, let's look at, no, I want to be serious for a change. Look, it's a period of optimism. And I can all hear you sink into your seats, and I explain why. And before I do that, I'd just like to pay a tribute to somebody who may be known to some of the listeners in uh, Victoria and possibly interstate, uh, Mr. Michael Smith. Uh, if there's this, such a thing as a legend, it's not those boring, one-dimensional, give-me-money celebrities that somehow hog the long light, but it's those people who volunteer their time, their time, that's right, year after year after year, to ensure that community radios continues to be a viable part of the uh, 
mix as far as uh, sharing ideas are concerned in this society, in Australian society. Now, Michael Smith was a constant at Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. He was here for 26 years, and I knew Michael during that period because in the good old days, which never existed, uh, when a new person walked into Community Radio 3CR, they were thrown into the anarchist world this week as my producer because obviously I don't have the technical skills or interest in learning about things technical, and Michael was thrown into this uh, studio with me about 25 years ago. Now, Michael is responsible for the introductory music, as Michael Smith was a great musician, not just in terms of playing, but more importantly, in terms of having a great depth of knowledge, especially about non-commercial musical uh, groups and entities uh, in, in Australian society and overseas. And one of his uh, constant programs, Community Radio 3CR, was Let Your Freak Flag Fly. Now, Michael died uh, about, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, and there has been an outpouring of grief from the uh, people who are listeners at Community Radio 3CR and presenters because he touched everybody. Just to give you a simple example of the type of human being he was, he was honest, he was caring, he was hard-working, and he volunteered over a quarter of a century of his time to keep Community Radio Station 3CR on air. And I'll give you an example just in my... And again, what he did for me... He did for everybody else. For There's a 144 hours of broadcasting on Community Radio 3CR every week, every every week of the year, year in and year out. And he assisted me with the Anarchist World this week. He was the producer for the Anarchist World this week for a number of years. He uh, uh, chose the music for Anarchist World this week, the introductory music. He also assisted uh, myself with Talk Back With Attitude where he was involved in a number of outside broadcasts, and outside broadcasts take a lot of technical ability, especially when you've got rudimentary equipment like you do in many community radio stations across this country, and the fact that you can actually broadcast, you know, in the middle of a busy city, the middle of Melbourne, a program like Talk Back with Attitude. Uh, he was also involved, instrumentally involved in many outside broadcasts like Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations for over a decade, where he turned up by public transport, usually train, to a cold, wet park in Ballarat, set up all the equipment, go to sleep in the uh, grass on the dew, wake up at 3.30 when we kicked him awake, and then he'd be instrumental in broadcasting uh, uh, the celebrations, and then he'd leave in the morning and come back to Community Radio 3CR to be involved in the uh, Disability Day uh, festivities, which occurred also on the 3rd of, uh, 3rd of um, December. Now, Michael, did he was involved in training. He even looked after the mice at 3CR, believe it or not. I, there are stories about Michael, and uh, we may do a tribute to Radical Australia in a week or two to Michael. We'll see if I can sort something out. But uh, he even looked after the mice here at 3CR, and if there's going to be a ghost in 3CR, it will be Mr Michael Smith, because he is uh, he is missed. And if you go to the 3CR Facebook page, you'll see all the tributes that have uh, uh, are extended to him. And if you go to my uh, Facebook page, Joseph Toscani, you'll also see a number of the tributes. So as I said before, Michael 
Uh, I'll give you an example. I'm wearing three badges today. I don't wear badges normally. There's one badge for the Anarchist World this week, which you can't see, one with Talk Back with Attitude and one with Tanaminoe and Morboina. Michael's the type of person that had come up and he'd say, look, I've been thinking about this. Here's a bag of badges which I've personally handmade, all yours, to distribute to, uh, you know, give you a little bit more uh, publicity, you know. That's the type of person he was. And there are millions of people at Community Radio 3CR, well, maybe I'm exaggerating, but hundreds who were touched by him, uh, touched by his honesty, and uh, if there ever was a legend in Australian society, it was uh, Mr Michael Smith. Um, if the death of uh, Michael uh, in any way uh, upsets you, and uh, you need assistance. There's also there's always always those uh, helplines like a Beyond Blue and a Lifeline to ring, uh, because obviously his death has had a, a great impact on a, a lot of people. Let's move on. Julian Assange, isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? Now, if I mouthed off on this radio program via the community radio network about people with Asperger's syndrome. I would be kicked out, and I'd be deserved to kick out, be kicked out. Now, for decades, people have been attacking Mr. Julian Assange personally. Personally. They say it's all about his, you know, he can't contact people, he can't, you know, he's this and that, he's got personality issues. Now, it was good to see that the uh, magistrate who made the decision not to extradite Mr Julian Assange, not on the basis of the extradition uh, orders which the United States uh, wanted, but on the basis of his health, quite clearly stated that Mr Assange has issues as far as uh, being on the autistic uh, spectrum and possibly has uh, features of Asperger's syndrome. And that was the main reason she recommended that he not be extradited because extraditing him to the United States uh, Supermax prison was a little bit like uh, sending him uh, to uh, his execution. Now, whether this uh, decision is overturned or not and appeals a different matter, but what is important is how little effort the Australian government and the opposition has has put in to ensuring that Mr Assange is repatriated back to this country and giving him a guarantee that they will not be part of any extradition proceedings if he comes back to this country. It's not about Julian Assange. It's about the fact that Mr Assange, using new technology and the group around him, was able to divulge to the world the dirty linen, the dirty linen hidden away in back cupboards of the United States intervention around the world. The murders, the torture, the unnecessary invasions the destruction of societies, destruction of communities, all in the uh, vein of trying to uh, 
improve the US's domination of the world. And that's what that's Mr Assange's crime, and that's the crime of WikiLeaks. It's not Mr Assange's personal shortcomings, and we've all got shortcomings. If you want to look at my shortcomings, I could give you a, uh, you know, a dictionary full of my shortcomings. All human beings have shortcomings. We all have feet of clay. We all do things we're ashamed of. You know, we're... And a Mr Assange is different to no one. So trying to confuse the personality issues with what WikiLeaks did in terms of bringing to the world's attention the type of tactics, bully boy tactics, which were used by successive United States administrations, I think is fundamental to what this case has been about. And the fact that Mr Assange is not going to be extradited at this particular moment does not mean that the campaign to assist Mr Assange has stopped. It's only begun. And that's one of the main reasons during the uh, Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations in Ballarat on the 3rd of December last year that uh, the Eureka Medal was awarded to uh, Mr Assange. So think about it. Now, I said before at the beginning of the program that uh, 2021 is a time of optimism. And I could all see you sink in your chairs. I could see you pull the doona over your heads. I could just see you yawn. What's optimistic about 2021? Well, my optimism is based on the fact that the COVID-19 pandemic has actually shown, demonstrated to a significant proportion of the population the faults in our society. It's been able to cut through the garbage which is pumped out as analysis in the majority of cases by the corporate-owned media and to a lesser extent the government girl at ABC, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks in a year and 366 days in the leap year. It has actually demonstrated the fault lines. And the people who have been hit the hardest by COVID-19 have not been people of assets who've uh, continued to uh, make their fortunes on that uh, roulette wheel called the stock market. But it's been people who provide the muscle, the bone, the blood, the tears to keep society's function. And they're the ones who are going to be mostly hardest hit as the job seeker allowance and the job keeper allowance continues to shrink and the job keeper allowance disappears in March, at the end of March 2021. So my optimism is based on the fact that the spectacle, the glitter, the glam has been brushed off the Australian continent and we can actually see 
the barbs and the nettles and the dry continent underneath. My optimism is based on the fact that people may finally begin to understand and realise that more of the same, more private investment for private profit, more centralisation of power, more centralisation of wealth, does nothing for them, their future and the future of their children and their children's children. And to a significant degree, whether we are able to use this period in time, that's 2021, we are able to use these fault lines to get people to become more involved in being involved in policy initiatives and cultural change, to see them more politically active, not just culturally active. Because for the last 40 years, we have been drowned in cultural change. Drowned in cultural change. But what we have seen is the concentration of power in fewer and fewer hands, because most of us, and I don't include you or me in this, most Australians have thrown up their hands in horror and said, what's the point? What's the point? What's the point of fighting City Hall? What's the point of fighting for change? We can never win. So let us drown ourselves in our little cultural odysseys our little diversions into cultural cul-de-sacs. And the reality is there has been a policy shift. And that policy shift as far as government policy is concerned at the local, state and federal level has been all about concentrating power and wealth into the hands of a smaller and smaller minority and making our representative bodies little more than appendages of that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. When somebody tells me that 25 people owned half the world's wealth, when I see the growth of billionaires in this country through the exploitation of resources which belong to all of us, I begin to understand how things have changed in this country over the last 40 years. And I'll use those four, I'll use the four horsemen of the apocalypse analogy once again. We are faced with major issues and we may be able to address some of these issues temporarily by changing the nature of private investment for private profit by modifying the worst excesses of it but we will not be able to survive as a species on this planet if we continue in the direction we have pushed in the last 40 years, a direction which has been pushed by both individuals, businesses, corporations and governments. Now, I'm not the type of person who just blames the government. It's not a government issue. 
It's an issue about how each and every one of us views the world. That's what it's about. And the whole point about being an activist is not about creating some little perfect enclave in the middle of nowhere. It's about being able to influence the way people think. It's about being able to brush the sand, blow the sand out of the fault lines to demonstrate those fault lines. And most importantly of all, it's about creating a vision which makes that light on the hill seem closer, come closer and closer. And that's why I'm an anarchist. It's very simple. Because to me, anarchism, which is about a struggle to devolve power, share power and share wealth, is the best way to tackle the four horsemen of the 21st century apocalypse. And those four horsemen include increasing population growth. They include limited resources, finite resources. They include an economic system based on the concept of private investment for private profit, irrespective of the human, social, environmental costs. And they include increasing CO2 emissions because of the way our society is organised. And they include all the increasing climatic changes which are having an impact on the world and the increasing changes in the biological, our biological environment. We are just part of a biological entity which makes the issue of, of pandemics a much more serious issue. So, there, I mean, it's about how... So how do we channel this discontent? And what we've seen in this country and all over the world, I mean, this channel, this discontent has been channeled into the Fortress Australia mentality. I call it a Fortress Australia. There's us and them. And then in the Fortress Australia mentality, we have us and them. For far too long, we have, like sheep, gone down the path of abusing each other based on our differences whether it's a religious belief or a non-religious belief, whether it's our gender, sexual orientation, colour of our skin, and the list goes on and on. It's about divide and rule, divide and rule. Channel struggle into cultural change. Don't make any policy initiatives. Don't change policy. Don't change the laws. Just ensure that those that exercise power continue to exercise power and dominate every aspect of our existence. So that's why I was a foundation member, and there were about seven of us at that meeting in Frankston in 2015, which formed public interest before corporate interests. Because we know 
it's not cultural change that's going to bring equality in this country. It's not cultural change which is going to resolve many of the issues which are faced by an increasing number of this, these people, our people. It's about real, fundamental, radical change. And that's why we form public interests before corporate interests. I'll give you a simple example regarding COVID-19. And I think this highlights everything which is wrong with the current policy initiatives. Everything that's wrong. In 1914, that's right, 107 years ago, in 1914, the federal government set up the Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, CSL. In 1996, at the beginning of that deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation craze, Mr Paul Keating one of the great leaders of that uh, rebellion for the corporate sector, was instrumental in privatising the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. And I think they picked up 219 or was it $294 million. In 2021, in Australia, we have no publicly owned Commonwealth Serum Laboratory. CSL is a privately owned organisation. And to ensure that CSL remains on these shores for another 10 years, the Morrison government was forced to give them a billion dollars last year to ensure they will continue to produce vaccines and serum in this country for another decade. How much will they want in 10 years' time? Another, what, $10 billion? So is it a time that during the COVID-19 pandemic, when we're all waiting, well, most people are waiting for a, a vaccine, is it a time that we looked at the possibility of creating a national disease centre, of creating a publicly owned Commonwealth Serum Laboratory, which could be involved in research basic research initially regarding the production of vaccines, which then could guarantee a supply of essential products, serum products and vaccines in this country, guarantee a supply that we do, would not have to rely on privately owned corporations to provide the vaccine, as we see today in 2021. And again, it's a different way of thinking. And as radical activists, our major task is to ensure that these different ways of thinking, these different ways of trying to solve the issues which have such a dominant impact on our society, become part and parcel of the everyday conversation in this country. And that's why we form public interests before corporate interests. And that's why we wish to be registered as a federal political party. And I know people will be growing and saying, oh, not another political party. It's not about that. It's not about being elected to power. It's about using the electoral process 
to skew the policy debate. The only thing they're frightened of, they're not frightened about you going onto the streets. They've got enough police and army personnel to take care of that. They've got enough laws to lock you away for decades. And if you think I'm making that up, just look at the laws that have been passed in this country in the last 20 years. Look at what's happened in the last 12 months regarding your so-called right to freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of movement. There's no constitutional protections in this country, and if you think there are, you're dreaming. As they'd say in the castle, you're dreaming, you're dreaming. So the fact is that we need policy shift, and to get policy shift, you need people pushing, shoving, discussing, raising. Now, a lot of people talk about the radical nature or the reformist nature of the Whitlam-led Labor government. I'm the first one to agree with that. I'm old enough to remember that period. It wasn't just about the Whitlam government. It was about the change of mood in the population to ensure we did have a universal health insurance scheme like Medibank, Medibank when it was called in those days, and now Medicare, that we did provide support for single mothers, that we did introduce a no-fault divorce scheme, that we did squirrel away money to set up community radio stations like Community Radio 3CR, like every one of the community radio stations which were affiliated to the Community Radio Network, to break down the monopoly that the corporate-owned media had on the dissemination of ideas in this country. And it's tragic in 2021 to look at much of the content on so-called social media. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable tripe and garbage. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, we've had a little bit of trouble with podcasting over the last few weeks. We are volunteers None of us get paid. We've got lives to lead. Sometimes we let things slip. But over the next few weeks, all the, all the programs that have, uh, I've done over the last two or three weeks will be podcast and you'll be able to access those podcasts. Now, I don't apologise for us being late. That's the nature of community radio. That's the nature of relying on a volunteer system. You do what you can when you can. Now, if you want to join public interest before corporate interest, and I said we've got 425 members now who are on the electoral roll, we need another 125 before we can apply for affiliation uh, as a federal political party. It would be nice to be able to contest the next federal election, which will be in early 2022, most likely. If we don't get the numbers by the end of June, our chances of being registered as a federal political party for the next federal election are basically nil. So if you are interested in change, if you want to change the policy debate, I'm not talking about you getting elected or me getting elected, but changing the policy debate, nudging the asteroid in another direction. It's a little bit like planet Earth is being threatened by an asteroid, and that asteroid is the globalisation, privatisation, corporatisation, deregulation asteroid. And it's hurtling towards planet Earth, bolstered by the private 
investment for private profit engine. Policy change can shift that trajectory of that asteroid. And that's what we are about, policy change. And those people who say to me, well, Joe, you know, it's been tried before. Well, it may have been tried before and failed. It doesn't mean it's going to fail a second time. So think about it. If you want to join, go to Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Download the application form, fill it out, send it back. If you ain't computer literate, you're not interested in the virtual world, and I don't blame you, um, you can always leave a message on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. And I'll uh, send it. I'll send you out some application forms, or you can always write to Post Office Box Twenty, Parkville three o five two. Now, the big question: vaccination. And I like to make my position clear, utterly clear on the anarchist world this week. I'm old enough to remember that when I first started this journey as a doctor in 1976 as an intern at the Royal Brisbane Hospital in Queensland they still had the old diphtheria bell in the children's section of the Royal Brisbane Hospital. So what was the diphtheria bell? Well before there was vaccination against diphtheria and whooping cough Children would come in to the Royal Children's Hospital and they would die and they would suffocate. And the diphtheria bell rang when a child was suffocating and the doctor would run to that little baby, put a hole beneath their thyroid and stick in a tube so they could actually bypass the blocked area and continue to live. There are no diphtheria bells in hospitals today. And to a large degree, that's because of vaccination. The first known vaccination was cowpox, when I think it was Mr Jenner noticed in the 19th century, the early part of the 19th century, that uh, milk maidens, which was a fancy word for same uh, women who milked cows, who got cowpox didn't get the worst, uh, didn't die from smallpox. They had some type of immunity. And for decades, cowpox was used as a protection against smallpox. And today, smallpox, which has killed tens of millions of people, has been eradicated through vaccination. Now, I'm not saying that vaccination is 100% safe. Nothing is 100% safe. If I cross the road, I can be knocked over. Crossing the road is not 100% safe. If I eat steak and chips and get some gristle caught in my throat, I can suffocate to death. Eating isn't 100% safe. I could eat something which is infected with bacteria and die of dysentery. Nothing is 100% safe. As I'm broadcasting, 
Not that I think they'd waste their time. I'm sure they wouldn't waste their time. I could, I could be attacked by a drone. You know, I know I'm laughing, but there are people around the world who've been killed by drone attacks and continue to be killed by drone attacks from thousands of kilometres away who've got no idea they've been targeted. So to every, every action you take, there's a risk. So when you talk about vaccination, it's a risk. It's a balancing act. Now, I will be having the COVID-19 vaccination. I'll tell you why. Because currently, we are trying to deal with a pandemic a little bit like using a broom to actually stop a flood entering our house. We're at the front of the house. We can see the water trickling down and we start, you know, wiping away the water. Eventually that water is going to overcome us, as we've seen in the United States and the United Kingdom. It doesn't matter how many restrictions you put in place, as we're currently seeing in Victoria. It doesn't matter how many restrictions you put in place because of the nature of the way this virus is transmitted. It will ultimately, as all pandemics have done, go through the human race, kill a certain percentage, and the others will get herd immunity. So vaccination is a little bit like having a, a row of sandbags in front of your home as that trickle heads towards your home. You've got a better chance of surviving. Obviously, there's going to be side effects. Obviously, some people will die. A very small number, minuscule number, usually due to an allergic response from vaccination. But the fact is that if you want to protect yourself and your family and you don't want to have to be um, you know, a hostage to COVID-19, my vaccination is the best way forward. And I'm more than happy to be vaccinated. I'll give you an example regarding smallpox. Now, everybody thinks European colonisation was all about a superior society overcoming an inferior society, okay? That we had better guns, better killing machines, we had less ethics, less morals, and we were able to decimate and colonise the planet, us Westerners. Well, we had a little helper, it was called disease. And over the centuries, we had developed partial immunity to many of these diseases. And the people we colonised, because we didn't have air travel in those days, the people we colonised had no protection, no immunological protection against disease. When Human Hovel, that's right, the great European explorers, Human Hovel, who discovered sections of the planet that had been inhabited, continuously inhabited by 60,000 60, years by Indigenous Australians, walked through New South Wales and Victoria, they noticed that many of the Aboriginal people they came in contact with had smallpox scars on their faces. And they estimated that over 80% of the indigenous population had died before seeing one white face. 
as smallpox spread from Sydney across the country. And one of the favourite ways of exterminating Indigenous people in this country was giving them blankets laden with smallpox crusts in order to spread smallpox amongst that population and destroy that population. And considering, considering the number of deaths which occurred as a result of introduced diseases like measles, which were deadly in these situations, it's extraordinary the amount of resistance which was put forward by Indigenous Australians against colonisation. Extraordinary resistance, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So vaccines are a mechanism via which to protect people. I'm old enough to remember the polio epidemics of the late 1940s and 1950s when you would send your child to school and there was a good chance they would come back and have polio. And some died and some were permanently disabled for decades and a number of survivors with polio continue to have a post-polio syndrome. And polio vaccination made all the difference to the children in this country. So if you don't want to vaccinate, I'm happy to vaccinate myself on your behalf to create enough herd immunity to support you. So think about it. That's the decision we all have to make in the next few months. Do I vaccinate? Don't I vaccinate? I will be vaccinating. End of story. As I said before, everything we do in life has a risk. I saw a patient once. He was having a Chinese meal in a restaurant. He fell forward. The chopstick went through the upper end of his spinal cord and he died at that table because he stopped breathing. Think about the odds. Now, I'm sure there are billions of people every day who eat with chopsticks and uh, there may be one or two deaths, but the majority will survive. Listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Now, turn them in the way of Marlborough Hina Commemoration Committee or the commemoration celebrations which will be held in one form or another on Wednesday the 20th of January from midday to 1pm at the Tanaminaway Melbourne Hina Monument at the corner of Victoria and Franklin Street Now, in Melbourne. We've been holding these commemorations since 2004. It took 12 long years of struggle to ensure that the monument was built. This is the first major monument which has been built to the frontier wars in a major urban centre in this country. Isn't it extraordinary? 200 and what is it, 231 years after colonisation began. And we can't even enter into a dialogue regarding a treaty. Then, when the Uluru Statement from the Heart was set out in 2017, it was dismissed within three minutes by both the corporate sector and governments across this country. We can't even acknowledge that 
colonisation was a brutal, nasty, evil business. Now to me, and this is just me, I believe the 20th of January, six days before Invasion Day, the 20th of January should be National Indigenous Freedom Fighters Day. Because as I said before, although over 80% of Indigenous people died of introduced disease before they even saw a coloniser's face, they set about being involved in resistance, which continues till 2021, to that process. And they continue, not to beg, not to beseech, not to ask, but to demand that their original occupation be acknowledged and that compensation be paid through a treaty process for that removal, forced removal of their lands and culture and people. So if you are interested in healing this wound, beginning that process, lancing the carbuncle, which will continue to be an issue as we see people try to make the 26th of January Invasion Day some type of wonderful, wonderful day in this country. We will be following all COVID-19 restrictions on the day. Who knows what they will be on the day. But currently, we are able to have 100 people at the uh, ceremony. Now, many of our guest speakers won't be there this year, so it opens an opportunity for the people who are there. So if you are interested, just come along. 20th of January, that's a Wednesday, midday to 1pm. Then at 1pm we'll make our way down to the Queen Victoria markets where we believe there are the last burial, the burial site of Tanaminawe and Mulbohina are. So uh, if you go to my Facebook page, if you go to the Anarchist Media Institute page, if you go to pibsy.net page, it goes on and on. If you go to the 3CR website, you'll see the information regarding the uh, commemoration on the uh, 20th of January. So optimism. Until I started off, optimistic. Am I optimistic? Well, I'll tell you why I'm optimistic. Because the greatest weapon those who have power in this country and around the world have is our cynicism our depression our collective depression our inability to see beyond our everyday existence it's their ability to have us turn on each other because of superficial differences So I am optimistic because to be optimistic is to actually negate what they want you and me to be. They want us to be cowed. They want us to be on our knees to ask, to beg, to beseech for little reforms. They want to channel us into cultural battles because, see, capitalist society can incorporate any cultural change. So we've got equal marriage laws. Has that made a difference? Maybe. Superficially to some people. Cultural change made a difference. 
Maybe. I mean, but I still see people with specific attributes lording it over their own people. And the, the, the central struggle is that struggle about inequality. Power and wealth, power and wealth. It's all very well being a CEO, a female CEO, with a maid and an in, uh, in-house uh, nanny who you can claim as a tax deduction and a female worker being paid cash in hand You know, and what we've seen over the last forty years with this deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation revolution, what we've seen is more and more and more power and wealth being concentrated in fewer and fewer hands. And whether you're gay, and whether you're black, whether you're pink, whether you're green, whether you're religious, whether you're an atheist, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Obviously, people who are in a minority position suffer more discrimination than anybody else. But at the end of the day, if a few, if a small percentage of that group finds itself in a position where it can lord, lord, lord it over everybody else, it makes no difference. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. Yes, it's a live broadcast. The program is broadcast on Community Radio 3CR via the Community Radio Network. It is podcast. It'll be podcast on 3cr.org.au. But as I said before, it's all about optimism. Just being, it's, not, it's about being realistically optimistic. You like that? Realistically optimistic. Maybe I should have that tattooed on my forehead. Realistically optimistic. Because the reality is, that it's small groups of people who are the engine behind change. Now, I remember in 1977, we were talking about decentralised energy. Decentralised energy. We were talking about life in the balance. And everybody thought we were somehow worse. We were off the planet. We were Martians. In 2021... The topic on everybody's list is the climate emergency. How 50 years changes people's opinions. But the fact is that if those thousands of people, tens of thousands of people involved in that struggle to highlight the climate emergency and force policy change at a government level weren't there, we'd be back at 1977. And it's the same with every struggle. You have to start somewhere. And if there's one thing you should be doing in 2021 is looking at the time you have, look at what you want to do, look at what movements you want to support, and if there's nothing out there that suits you, form your own particular focus of change because it is those individuals who are willing to put their head above the parapet who will... initiate that change. When we started in 2004 to have the Tanaminawa Mōbōhina monument erected, everybody thought we had, you know, snowflakes chance in hell. In 2021, 
we will be having that commemoration at the monument which was erected in 2016 as a consequence of the struggle of many people on that committee who are now dead. Almost 70% of the people on that original committee have now died. But their efforts led to the creation of that monument. And it's the same with everything else. You have that power. And if you're not willing to exercise that power, there's no point complaining. Cut your ties with Australia's two biggest tribes. The Gunner tribe, I'm going to do that and going to do this. And the somebody should do something about that tribe. Join the activist tribe. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program will be podcast within the next week or so. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you, if you are not, uh, you're not interested in computers, you want to contact me, you can leave a message on 0439395489. And remember... Bouquets are better than brickbacks. So if you ring up and you're abusive, delete. You can always write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And if you're a click activist, if you're out there on the media, well, we've got everything for you. YouTube, public interest before corporate interest. Instagram, pipsy underscore au. Uh, websites, pipsy.net anarchistmedia.org, Facebook pages, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing Everybody's Business, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public, Podcasts, 3cr.org.au, and the list goes on and on and on. But the reality is, it doesn't matter how many websites, YouTube channels, Twitter streams, Instagram streams you have, ultimately, it's feet on the ground which create change. COVID-19 or no COVID-19, it's feet on the ground. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. This program will be on air next week on uh, your local community radio station. If you're listening to this program on a community radio station as you try to find a vacation place somewhere in your little isolated state, you're Community radio station don't broadcast the Anarchist World this week. Ask them to contact the Community Radio Network and find out why not. As I said before, it's about policy shift. No policy shift, no change. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week. Here we go. The satellites grabbed me. I'm about to disappear. Five. Four, three, two, one. Bye-bye. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger!
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.